Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago. Let's get to this week's episode. Here's my co-host, Mike Shurek. Welcome. It's happy 4th of July, everyone. Happy birthday, America. Jason, how you doing, man? Happy 4th. I'm doing really well, thank you. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to be here on the 4th of July. I, you know, usually the 4th of July is a holiday and, you know, you don't think about working. But yeah, given everything that's going on, I think today is the perfect day to be here and the perfect day to have the show. So I think so. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pumped to have it with you today, man, and talk about all the different things that are going on, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a good day to s- speculate. I wasn't sure whether I should dress in black to be celebrating 4th of July, which I've always celebrated for the 35 years I've been here, or to be in mourning. Uh, because I feel quite reflective and meditative about today. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, just given the state that, given the meaning of the the Declaration of Independence, and what do you what are you in mourning for? I'm in mourning about the state of our country. Oh. I mean, right now, you know, yeah, we, yeah, just we just got banned by the EU from traveling. Yeah, because um, we're we're you know, America used to be a place where people either feared us, loved us, admired us, mm-hmm. but we were never pitted. Yeah. And to see America brought to the stage of being pitted yeah. because for many, many reasons is, uh, is sad. We used to be in a very admired country and now people feel sorry for us. We're used to feeling sorry for other nations and, and having a kind of benevolent pity for them. And now we're, we're the pitted country. Well, I, I think what it is, Jay, it, it actually gives us an opportunity to step up. We've been rolling sevens for a long time. Since 1945, we've pretty much been on cruise control. And I think this is this is a great time, and I see all of the things that's going on, you know, with the experience of the the conflicts around Donald Trump, to the COVID nineteen, to the the conversations around Black Lives Matter and racism. That this is really a great time where we can recalibrate and really look at what does it mean to be Americans, and 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 that's why I was so excited about today to really look at the Declaration of Independence and what it is, what it was, and what it can be, and mm-hmm. and. You know, nothing ever tracks along the line all the way. There's always setbacks and there's always valleys in every journey. And I think that's just kind of where we're at. I've really been, I've been affected by this whole thing the last four or five months in in all kinds of different ways. I've been on an emotional roller coaster, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually in a place where I think what we're going through is actually required. Um, There's a, I'm trying to find it. there's a, there's a part of the of the the um, yeah it's it's right here. There's a part of the Declaration of Independence that says, and it's after the pursuit of happiness line, right? That to, mm-hmm. to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the of the governed. So what that means is we have to consent to being governed, mm-hmm. and it says that whatever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizations in power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect the safety and the happiness. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's our right, if stuff's not working, Mm -hmm. to stand up and interrupt it. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's, there's people that are interrupting. I'm not aligned with, with their, their methodology, and I'm not even aligned with the, 
their ideology, but I am okay with their questioning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the great opportunity, and that's really why I wanted, and that's why I'm so looking forward to being here with you today, is because that's the thing I want to really look at, is it's it's not working at the level it used to, and how do we get it back to working, you know? Right. And uh, and what are the valid questions, and what are some of the invalid questions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's some assertions that are made that aren't quite valid, you know? Right. Um, and so, yeah, I would just like to, yeah, I want to have that conversation with you today because I think that's important. I think, I think it is important. Yeah. Well, America had been on, I mean, I've always, I wrote in an essay, The Moral Meaning of America, that we have been on since the inception of 1776 was our first founding. Mm-hmm. And I, I took get, uh, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, the second founding, mm-hmm. and the 1964 Civil Rights Act is the third founding mm-hmm. on a linear progress projection of mm-hmm. progress yeah that is we've always striven to become better to correct our mistakes we're a reflective nation that strives to be better yeah and we've included in the domain of the ethical people who have been previously excluded blacks women gays mm-hmm. uh, in that domain mm-hmm. and it seems that we've taken and we've also included included the marginalized peoples of the world mm-hmm. um, who've contributed immigrants to the the myself and I use myself as evidence of that mm-hmm. um, who've contributed to the, the betterment of this country. And it seems that uh, we've, we've, we've retrogressed and mm-hmm. we have taken a couple of steps backward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really bothers me on the 4th of July when I started out the show saying that America, which used to be a beacon of hope on which people would pin their aspirational identities mm-hmm has become a country that is pitted. And I'm not talking because people see America as a, a, a petri dish of, of, of contagion right now, which right. we are. We have the largest <laughs> infection rate of COVID-19. Yeah. We're a filthy, dirty petri dish to the world. Well, that's another subject. But you know, we do have a country that has lost its moral identity as um, being the, the, the an exemplar of 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 of, of morality yeah. of of right and and I want to say that part of this has to do with the loss of statesmanship and among our leaders, mm-hmm. regardless of political ideology. Mm-hmm. So whether we're talking about a Richard Nixon or a Jimmy Carter uh, or Clinton or Bush or whatever, there was something about statesmanship and there was something about how leaders comported themselves with world leaders. I I have to say I don't like that we the people, I did not elect this president, but that some of the people elected someone who goes around calling poor countries shitholes that tells the leader of Germany and Britain, Theresa May and Angela Merkel, that they're weak and they're pathetic, Mm -hmm. that has isolated America from her allies Mm -hmm. that we need Mm -hmm. if a war or a terrorist attack us, we need to share our intelligence. That, uh, that invites Putin to the G7 and Merkel and May and Trudeau have said, we're not coming to the G7. Who dare says that to America? America has never been uh, treated with that kind of disrespect. And we deserve it because why? Why would we invite Putin to the G7? Because we're afraid that nobody trusts us because we, we're going to share secrets. This is a terrible place that we're on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And how, how the hell do we get here? We're leaders of our allies are disinviting or saying that they're not coming to the G7. There's a lot that's going on that's really, really horrible 
right now where America is. Mm -hmm. And it pains me as someone who came here 35 years ago and saw this country where people were just, people either feared America like they feared God mm -hmm. or they loved America. Mm -hmm. America was never pitted. America, no leader in Germany would say we're not coming to the G7. Well, I think and we need we need to get back to that point of how do we elect, with regardless of ideological commitments, mm -hmm. how do we elect leaders that put America back in the moral status, not of superiority, but just back in a, a, mm -hmm. a moral place. We're in, a, in an amoral place right now. We used to lead the world morally. Yeah, Jason, I, you know, I've been pointing to this all along. There's been a gap in leadership in America for quite some time. And it, it's, it's how, we, how we view leadership. Mm -hmm. It's how we uh, relate to leadership. Um, and it's how we, we relate to one another, you know? Mm -hmm. um, there, there's, there's all kinds of changes that's going on. You know, when we talk about leadership, it's not about we, – we've moved leadership to become a cult of personality. When you mm -hmm. think about the last few elected leaders we have, or when we think about leadership campaigns, it becomes about the person's personality and not about what they're standing for. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it becomes about marketing them and their charisma or their this or their that. And in not about what do they actually stand for and what is bigger than them. It just becomes mm -hmm. about them. So inherently what that reflects. And when I think of leaders, I think leaders are reflective of the people they lead, right? So what's happened is we've, we've got leaders that are leading by cults of personality, that are leading by their ego. And what that tells me is the people that they're leading are mostly ego-driven and not purpose or, you know, commitment-driven. So it's, you know, we've become, as a country, narcissistic. And, this, and to some level, listen, we had it really good. We're the wealthiest, most powerful country in the world. You know, we consume, I forgot what percentage of resources, we've got 2% of the population, you know, we, we've became, we've become this country of consumerism and we identified that as success. Mm. So I think what we have to do is we have to, this, that's why I love this time mm -hmm. because this is where we have to start looking at what does success really mean? The, mm -hmm. the only difference between where you're at and where I'm at is you're looking at it from, oh my God, look at where we're at now. From the, mm -hmm. from the past, I'm looking at it from the future going, oh, this is where we're at. All there is to do is go back, get better. Yeah. You know, it's two different perspectives. And I get your disappointment because we were going well. And I don't mean to say I'm mourning. I'm being sort of melodramatic here, mm -hmm. but reflective yeah. and contemplative of is the fact that I don't mean to lambast leaders and say that we should always look to leaders right. uh, for, you know, our personal role in shaping the moral identity of America, mm -hmm. because ultimately it's we, the people who govern these servants and we need to remember that there are yeah. servants who are we elect not we're not the whole the declaration of independence which i reread this morning is a is a list of injuries that the king of england the, the uh, last part of it man the last two yeah, thirds of the declaration the last, of yeah is right like a list of grievances man isn't it a list of grievances so we are responsible for uh shaping as individuals the moral identity of this country but it's it sort of struck me funny that you know someone who does believe that capitalism is a has lifted the the, the well being and, mm -hmm. the, and the uh, and the quality of life of majority of people in the world. That one of the it's a it's a it's a downside of late stage capitalism is it has made communities obsolete. Has made what? 
communities obsolete. Communities. Okay. And I was looking at, you know, I was watching a couple of films on Netflix and it's, it struck me that, you know, we were talking on the show last week about how women upheld the economy, mm-hmm. the infrastructures yep. during World War II yep. so that men, when they came back from the war, from baseball, the sports, the women who, a league of their own, who held the sporting industry intact to, yep. you know, all the, all the industries so that men had an infrastructure, mm-hmm. infrastructures to, 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 to keep in place but they they had communities to come back to and our moral identities i think are tethered to institutions something called communities Mm -hmm. identities are very fragile morality and goodness are very fragile things they're like plants that need to be anchored in something and watered and nurtured and communities are obsolete we have neighborhoods Mm -hmm. but those neighborhoods are very fragile Mm -hmm. i mean with the transfer of capital and so on and so forth. People move the mobility of, of capital. People move and change their jobs with, with such frequency that you don't even want to invest in knowing your neighbor because that person could be gone. Mm-hmm. So because communities are obsolete, um, uh, I think that sort of foundation of on which moral identity is built becomes really kind of shaky. And so we invest in something like crass materialism mm-hmm. And that really, really bothers me. And, and so maybe shifting the conversation away from just like the blaming leaders mm-hmm. uh, who, do, who do, they do have a role to play and turning inward to look at how each of us has contributed to the demise of the, what, what I'm calling the moral status that America once enjoyed. Jay, what you're pointing to is what we were talking about last week, you know, having a more vertical kind of structure in our lives. But, but what you're really talking to, it, so I started reading uh, White Fragility and how to be an anti-racist because I'm getting really tired. I, yeah, I know her. Yeah. I know her. She came to DePaul. Yeah. 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 And she's, well, first of all, just, just, she's from the university of Washington. So she's from the university structure. She's from Seattle, which is kind of a wackadoodle kind of place to begin with. And you know, the whole conversation. So there's, there's definitely a perspective, but she says something really interesting. She it, it, actually, I found the book to be far more. I found the book far more interesting. Than I thought it would be, and I'm not, I'm not through it yet, but the thing that she's pointing to is, and which I, I don't, I'm not aligned with her on this, is the removal of individualism. And what you're pointing to is actually the requirement of individualism. To have a community, a really strong community, it is a group of individuals coming together working for a common good. To give mm-hmm. away your identity, to, get, to become part of the mass, part of the group think, actually weakens the structure. And I think right. one of the things you're talking about is, is we've got to get back to individual responsibility and self-awareness. That's the only way this is going to come forth because you're right. You know, the, the United States of America was, was founded on the consent of the governed. Mm-hmm. Like, like we consented to be governed. And what that is, that to, to consent to be, cover, to be governed, to consent to be led requires a really high level of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have to choose in all the time. And what I've seen happen, it's become very fashionable and very easy to attack leaders. I don't care if it's Chuck Schumer or Donald Trump or Lindsey Graham or Nancy Pelosi or Tim Scott or whoever it is. It's really easy to take shots at people because people are by nature imperfect, mm-hmm. you know? So we, it's, so then we get in this whole thing of perfectionism because of the quote-unquote greater good. Well, there can't be a greater good unless there's a really sound foundation of a moral human being, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. 
Because you're only as strong as the weakest link. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's true. And that's where it breaks apart. And what's happened over the last 30 or 40 years where, where our culture's been breaking apart has been in disintegration of the family. Not just the loss and the single mother thing, but also fathers being absent because they've, they've been traveling for work or they've put so much time and effort into their job or they moved their family away from where they had a real strong structure to, you know, some subdivision, you know, 400 miles away because the job is better there. There's been all these things we've done that have, have aided in the erosion. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a ton of compassion for the millennials out there because they, it, they were actually in the front seat witnessing all of this go down. Right. So I understand where they're coming from. I don't always agree with what they're up to, but I have a tremendous amount of compassion and love to engage in them because and, and, I, I think there's something I could provide for them, a perspective, but I learned so much from them. And, 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 and I think that's the part. I think what's really happening is all of the compromises we've made over the last 30, 40 years are starting to show the crack in the foundation. Mm-hmm. And what there is now is an opportunity to repair that. That's mm-hmm. what I think. And that's what, right. I'm, that's what I'm standing and hoping for. And that's what I hope this conversation can be, begin to do. Is have, and it starts with looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You said it best. How have we as individuals contributed to the collapse of the moral decay of our country. Mm-hmm. It's real simple. Yeah. yeah. It's real simple. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a, there's an abnegation of personal responsibility. And yeah. um, I mean, personal leaders do set a sort of tone. I mean, mm-hmm. political Absolutely. leaders do set a tone. Absolutely. Um, and without deifying them and, and, and seeing ourselves as subjects, which we're not, mm-hmm. uh, they do in some sense, uh, assist us in, in, in setting the, the moral barometer or mm-hmm. the tone of a culture because um, they do represent our interests yeah. in some sense, right? So we have to ask ourselves, when we elect <sighs> these people, on what criteria? What are the criteria? Mm-hmm. There may be three, four, five, six, seven, I don't know what, but I'm writing about this, you know, how mm-hmm. to judge a political candidate. Yeah, This is a long essay I'm writing. What are the, the criteria by which we should use to yeah. judge a political candidate? And I think, you know, we really should get down to fundamental principles mm-hmm. um, and not personality and not when a, a candidate is wearing his or her best emotional laundry yeah. on the campaign trail, but learn to ask tough questions and learn to get to the core principles to see how best they are reflective of our principles. Um, we've sort of traded all of that and, um, you know, with, with lobbying, I mean, we should we should probably get rid of a lot of the lobbying groups and, yep. and sort of discourage that. But with the with the, collu- <laughs> with the, with the, co- the collusion, sort of between... discourage that. That's the understatement of the world. But yeah, <laughs> well, Thank you know, you. yeah. But with the collusion between big between government and 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 business and so on, the idea of democracy and is being eroded. Yeah, and so the interests of the sm- I call them. I don't mean to sound pejorative here the little man the mm-hmm. common man yeah. the average man the average joe blow mm-hmm. right gets which lost. i represent as by the way yeah. well <laughs> all of us you yeah. know and unless we're like jeff bezos and yeah bill gates or you know whether we are phds or whatever we're, we're just average americans right you know struggling to make a living right. um get all of that gets lost and it's either through, through apathy or indifference or through a lack of awareness you know what um, I think it is too, Jay? I think right now there's so much information and so much data and so much noise in the system 
you can just get overwhelmed. And, and oftentimes when people get overwhelmed, they just, they, they freeze, you know, they, they don't know what to do. I, Mike, there's a lot of information, but people are also very, very savvy. And yeah. I think, I think we've gotten lazy. I, I will say this is going to offend people. People know, <laughs> people are so comfortable in sitting in their curated silos and yeah. little echo chambers. And they, it's willed deception. It's willed mm. affected ignorance. People are just not willing to do the hard work of parsing through the plethora of information, the stimuli that they're bombarded with. Yeah. And using that information to make informed judgments. It's hard work, but life is hard. No, I know. You know, it's it what you pointed to is is such a part of the self-awareness. This willingness to actually inquire when you're talking about asking the tough questions of candidates. How yes. often when you see someone in the media ask a question of a candidate, it's not actually a question. It's mm-hmm. it's it's trying to coach them into either agreeing or disagreeing with the agenda they're bringing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that does nothing for any of us. No. You know, no. like really ask an open and ask a question you don't know the answer to. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was, I was in business development for a long time. Right. And it was funny. I was just talking to a guy who I worked with a few years ago and he was kind of a, someone I kind of mentored and, and he, he always thought there was a trick to sales, you know, cause I was, I was pretty good at developing large volumes of business for this particular company. And he goes, what's the trick? I said, there's no trick. There's no trick. It's like you ask questions you don't know and don't be afraid of the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, have enough faith and enough conviction and enough confidence that there's no que- no answer you can't live through and actually operate inside of. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've lost that that sense of inquiry we've lost that sense of discovery of 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 like really like what can we what can we learn mm-hmm. you know i mean god one of the as i grow older what i'm realizing is you know i don't know much but you know i'm willing to learn more and that's what's been amazing yeah you know yeah i i, I think jay that's why i love having you you know being with you here because you you bring this perspective of of intelligence and reason and thought that uh, sometimes uh, I think is missing out there. So it's, 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 it's such well, a- I don't want to I don't like letting people off the hook. You no, know, I like, love that. like, I think life is, life is hard yeah. and we, we choose and prioritize our values very carefully and people, people will spend hours doing difficult things mm-hmm. or performing difficult tasks yeah. that feed a sign, a kind of mindlessness. Yeah. But and why a fear, is it that? And a fear. Yeah. But, hey, listen, we're going to have to take a break. Okay. We'll be back in two minutes, everybody. This is Mike Sherrick, Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. This is WCGO Chicago. And uh, see you in two minutes, everyone. Bye. Jason Hill here. And I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app. Tune in or wcgoradio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship opportunities and rates, please reach out to my co-host Mike at MikeShrek at gmail.com. Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry once said, a coach is someone who has you see what you don't want to see and has you hear what you don't want to hear, 
so you can always be the person you knew yourself to be. Hello, I'm Mike Sherrick, founder and president of the Mike Sherrick Group and Mike Sherrick Coaching. We are an executive coaching and leadership development organization with offices in Berwyn, Illinois and Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Successful organizations begin with the self-awareness and authenticity of its leaders. And in today's world, we are all leaders. If you or your organization has a big vision, or you know there's another level you can go to, please give us a call at 630-643-6336. If you're one of the first three people who call us today, you will be eligible for a free IMX leadership assessment and debrief, a $550 value free to you and your organization. So give us a call at 630-643-6336 and take it on. Hey, we're back. This is Mike Sherrick. This is Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. We're having a couple of uh, timing issues here. I'm half asleep with the switch here, I think, too. But Oh, and I'm, I'm grooving to this music. Uh, oh, yeah. Probably. You're a big Steely Dan guy, man. You know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, before we get started... Uh, in the second half here, I, I, I want to shout out. There's a there's a garden party going on in uh, in Berwyn today at my friend Lucille's house. So they're drinking Bloody Marys and listening to us on the radio. So uh, I think that's uh, a fitting way to begin uh, the Fourth of July, right? They're drinking Bloody Marys. This oh, this are all good. Oh yeah, nine thirty nine thirty five. They started at nine. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're probably half in the bag already. Uh, I'm supposed to go over there, but there's probably going to be a bunch of drunk people on her patio. So. That's a shout out to my friend Lucille Evans and uh, Richard Lajan, his beautiful wife, uh, Patricia. So anyway, um, also, if anyone wants to call in, uh, feel free. It's 877-711-5611. So yeah, man. Um, hey, I want to talk about a couple other things that are going on. I, I, sure, go ahead. I don't know if you're a, a big NFL fan. I'm, I'm way too addicted to the NFL, but um, have you paid any attention to the thing that's going on in D.C. with the Washington football team i'm just i mean yeah i've been reading yeah on a cursory level yeah oh okay well nike's got a big push in and every time nike's involved in something i always want to put on a body bag and a body condom because i find them to be one of the most uh i don't know uh, untrustworthy organizations in the world possibly you know Mm. (laughs) i don't know I don't know. I just, I just, I wonder what the agenda behind it all is, right? If it's just a timing thing or what. I, I, I personally don't like the name of the team. You know, I think it's, mm. uh, I don't know. In, 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 as long as, you know, Native American folks, it, in, and I've seen studies that said, you know, nine out of 10 Native American folks don't care about it, but right. uh, it just isn't, there, there's so many other things you can call a football team, right? Right. Yeah. So I was just wondering well, what your I, take on it was. I just don't buy this cultural appropriation nonsense. I've, I mean, I it's a dead issue for me because I think, look, um, uh, once you put a symbol in the public sphere, mm-hmm. it's up for grabs. I mean, um, we want to treat, we want to make sure that individuals from cultures are treated with respect. Yeah. But I, I've written a book, my second book, which was written uh, Beyond Blood Identities, which was written. I don't know, 12 years ago, oh, wow. uh, has a whole chapter on cultural artifacts and cultural symbols and who owns culture. There's a whole chapter yeah. on who owns culture. And it's like, nobody owns culture. Yeah, Culture yeah. is in the public sphere. It's owned by, it's like, who owns knowledge? We can type in yeah. anything in Google, in the internet. This is yeah. sort of predating, it was written more than 12 years ago, predating the rise of the, in the uh, free knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's like, who owns the English language? Who yeah. owns the three-piece suit? Yeah. I mean, when I don a three-piece suit, which I like to dress up for the honeys at school, 
um, <laughs> occasion for the little ones to look spiffy. Uh, I'm I'm culturally appropriating a Western style of dressing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not appropriating it because I was born and raised in a Western in Western in a Western society. Yeah. But someone could easily look at me and say, "You're a black man, and and you're from." And I would say, "I'm from what? I was born and raised in a Western." Civilization, yeah, right. So, what do you want me to wear? Some kind of some 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 kind of grass skirt, and (laughs) you know what I'm saying. See how ridiculous this thing this thing gets. I mean, that's why this thing um, is so stupid to me. Who cares? If so, when Kim Kardashian comes out with braids, they say you know you can't you know you you're culturally appropriating black hair. But when black women wear extensions and straighten their hair, Mm -hmm. nobody accuses them of a culture appropriating whiteness or you know looking white so this whole cultural appropriation stuff uh for me is ridiculous um am i culturally appropriating because i get my hair cut at a black hair at a black barbershop yeah (laughs) i don't know i hope you're patch you're patch uh i'm I'm happy you're patronizing black business which is thumbs up for you uh we should all be patronizing each other's businesses i mean i i buy from italian i go into you know in in uh, little ukraine here in chicago the 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 lovely restaurants uh buy chinese food Uh, we all we're we're americans right that's what makes america great yeah it's this giant melting pot and i don't know when assimilation became bad yeah you know I, rem- I grew up in a neighborhood. The, the block I lived on spoke seven languages. There were people from mm. all over, right? Yeah. So I don't, I, don't, I don't get what the problem is. I really don't. I don't get this idea. Like the NFL is going to have a black national anthem before they have the real national anthem or the other national anthem, whatever you want to call it, right? Like what's that? Are we you know, creating more of a divide? You know what I think, Mike? Is here's my solution. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, this is this, this is going to be my column for my next article. Yeah. We should just abolish anthems from sporting events. Has anybody asked a question? This would get rid of like who's patriotic because they yeah. unpatriotic because they kneel. Why the hell do we have to have? We don't have national anthems in movie theaters. We don't pl- have national anthems on plays on Broadway. Most of most these teams are not nationally owned teams. They're owned by private organizations. Yeah. Has anybody ever asked, why do we need to display the Star Spangled Banner at these sporting events? Start off with some good, jazzed up rock and roll music, yeah. right? Or start off with just music that will get fans going and mm-hmm. high-fiving each other. I would say just abolish. Who came up with this? I need to do my research because it re- yeah. it's really pissing me off. I don't why know. do we need to play the national? Why do we need to play any anthem at a sporting event and turn it into this patriotic event in which you display a, 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 a sporting event again is the event where people with differences different mm-hmm. political it's it's one that ways in which we talked about last last week where people bond yeah one could be a republican you could be an anarcho-capitalist a socialist we put those differences exactly. aside exactly and we bond i think the only it's, reason for the national anthem it's it's it to me the national anthem means it's the equivalent of flickering the lights at broadway right it means we're getting ready to play the game and, you know, I always thought the last two words of the national anthem were play ball. I mean, I really did because that's how I knew it from playing baseball, you know. And, and so it, it, I don't know how it got started. It, it's well, just tradition and it hasn't been inquired upon. I think well, it's it needs idea. to be because it's, it's sort yeah. of like induced patriotism. Yeah. 
and we have a separation of church and state. And I'm just really sick and tired of, you know, using a, a, a single metric criterion. Somebody knelt in the name of police brutality. Mm-hmm. And I've written harshly against Colin. Uh, but, you know, I'm revisiting my, now that this, this thing has run amok, mm-hmm. I'm revisiting a lot of my perspectives. Not, you know, I'm not, and my perspective still stands that I still am a patriotic American. Mm-hmm. And I still love the anthem. Yeah. And I still love the American flag because I'm an immigrant who wants to be here. But I don't want to call unpatriotic without knowing anything really too profoundly about a person's other values because they take a stance. I say, just get rid of it. Why, why do we need to have it? At because these it's becoming events? divisive. Exactly. You know, Jay, one of the things when you, when you, I just had this thought when you were talking, we're talking about patriotism, right? Yeah. I mean, I was born here. Unlike you, I didn't choose to come here. I was born here. I was born in Tennessee, moved to Chicago, lived here, had a great life. I'm pretty happy. Everything works, right? Um, never thought too much about patriotism. I grew up and witnessed, you know, John Kennedy getting murdered and Bobby Kennedy get, getting murdered and... And Martin Luther King getting murdered and the riots of 68 in Chicago and the Kent State thing and, you know, the Vietnam War. And there were a lot of times I questioned America and what it was about growing up. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was these were great questions for me because it actually had me see the flaws. And uh, like, it, it, you know, I loved being American. I had been to Europe, I don't know, 40 times. And every time Mm -hmm. I came back, I was so thankful to to come home. But, But I was never... I, I never had this thing like America is flawless. America is perfect. America's mm-hmm. great. It's the best there is. And it's got a lot of room to grow, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so when I hear this, and, and you meant to start men- uh, mentioning patriotism, when did patriotism become a thing? Well, after mm-hmm. 9-11. So patriotism was a response to fear. Mm-hmm. And it's become almost this fear-based thing mm-hmm. as opposed to being this position of strength. Exactly. Thank and you I, and I think that. that is where the problem lies. Because if you're not patriotic, well, the most patriotic people I know are the people that question what the hell's going on. Yeah. You know, that's where the real right. growth is. That, that's yeah. what the Declaration of Independence was about. Yeah. You know, when we think of the word declaration, what is declaration? It's actually declaring a condition in the future. Mm-hmm. So there's there's where we're at now, and then there's what we're standing for, mm-hmm. you know, where people get to become free, you mm-hmm. know, for the pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's that's the intention of this. And the mm-hmm. pursuit is an in-process kind of deal. It doesn't mean it's guaranteed. That's right. You know, and, and we've gotten something happened in 9-11 to us as a psyche, as a country. That hasn't been healed yet. Well, we went through an emotional nervous breakdown that we couldn't admit to. Uh, yeah, we really had we had some kind of breakdown it, yeah. that we, we we never we we responded with Afghanistan and Iraq. We bombed, bombed. Yeah. You no, know, I, I don't think that that was necessarily at least in at least in Afghanistan it was a bad thing. Right. Um, it was fought ineffectively, but we didn't have a chance to say the, the greatest, the strongest country on earth was diminished or. Our psyche, sucker our, 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 our national ego yeah. and our cultural ego was damaged badly. Big time. And we didn't, time. we didn't, instead of like sitting back and healing and doing the work to heal and overcome this, mm-hmm. we, we did the typical macho dude, muscle up, we're going to show you, we'll take this punch thing. Mm-hmm. We missed an opportunity at 9-11 to really 
step into our grace, greatness. And what we did is we stepped into our bulliness and we started a war that was unnecessary in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And we fought a war that was ineffective in Afghanistan that's still going on. It's very ineffective, yeah. And the other thing we did is that's the beginning of the militarization of the police departments here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we started to go in war against our own people. So it, it's, you know, and again, I get how it happens. We got hurt. When you get yeah. hurt, you know, there's there's fight, flight, and freeze. And yes. the, 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 the personality of the United States of America is one to fight, when upset, when hurt. And we, were, we just didn't know who to fight. We are fighting everyone. And yes. I think that's actually what's happened. So, and, and again, this is where it's showing up. This is where it's really breaking out. We're going to have to take a break in a couple seconds. Um, we're going to come back and we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Jay, it's so great being with you today, man. Thank you. And, and I want to tie in what you're just saying with the mass phenomenon. Yeah, let's do that when we yeah, come back. Yeah, when we get back. Because yeah. there's a couple things else I want to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about Mount Rushmore and, and really listen to what you have to say. Hey, we're back. This is Mike Sherrick, Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. How you doing, man? So you're gonna, you're, yeah, so we're talking about really the kind of the digression of patriotism, I think, you know? Yeah. You were going to say something about... Uh, well, you know, yeah. I, as I think about the fourth, I, I sometimes think in terms of, I, I teach my students analogical thinking mm-hmm. uh, can help to amplify things. And, I, you know, think about two kids fighting over, uh, two brothers fighting over a piece of chocolate cake. And one says, you got to make a chocolate cake and they come to fisticuffs. And it's really not about the chocolate cake. It's about mom favors you more than she really right. favors me. Right. And I've been thinking about this mass thing and why people, Americans are, are apoplectic about <laughs> both ways being f- and, and about against private companies or supermarkets or restaurants that are saying, wear a mask when yeah. you come into here. Now, most a lot of us don't really get into this kind of rageful fit when they say you can't come in here with a t-shirt or you right. can't come in here with flip-flops without shoes on. There are yeah. various yeah. Ru- or without shoes on. There are various rules and regulations that are mandated by private organizations that we that we capitulate to. Yeah. Why is it all of a sudden that when a private organization says you you have to wear a mask we're seeing this rage by Americans and it, it just occurred to me that Americans are angry because they feel diminished. This the mask yeah. is the last thing they have to hold on to. They are, you know, you know, when we, when, when, when you hear people chanting USA, USA, what yeah. is it that they're really chanting about? What is, it gets back to where we started mm-hmm. the program from. I mean, USA, USA used to, there used to be substance behind that, behind yeah. that chant was a lot of stuff. It's, it's a vacuous chant now, Mike. It's, it's people who are unemployed, small businesses that are ravaged and, and, and bruised and struggling or closed, yeah. pe- people unemployed. And I think this whole this thing is on this 4th of July, people feel evacuated. And the mass is just a, is a signifier. It's really not about the mass. It's really about, because as I said, people have no problems with private organizations setting their own rules. Sure. And um, and I have no problem wearing a mask if it makes my fellow man more comfortable. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I I don't care. I don't have a horse in a race. I, I I don't think it changes much personally, but I'm not. It, it's 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 not a political statement for me. If if it's yeah. gonna if it's gonna bring us together and end the divide, I'm I'm more than willing to do it. I think one of the things you're pointing to, Jay, is one of the most important things, and it it gets back a little bit to leadership, but it gets back to really what's missing in our culture right now. Um, mm-hmm. so much of what went on in America was all future based. You know, when you think about John Kennedy, 
he was his whole campaign is what can America be? You know, when we think about all the different ways we've we've looked at things, when you when you look at a corporation or an organization, they're always they were always talking about their future. What's happened since 9-11 and it's also happened with COVID and all of this stuff is our future is unclear. Mm-hmm. And without a future to live into, without a clear vision of where we're going, a clear plan of how we're going to get there and what we're up to and why we're going there, all we have is the past to go back on to. Mm-hmm. And so when we look back at the past, we either look back in it in some kind of nostalgic form, right? Mm-hmm. Or we look back in the things that are like didn't work for us. Neither one of those are reality. Mm-hmm. And so we've got people, half the people are longing for nostalgia. The other people are pointing to all these disasters that have happened and all the oppression that's occurred without seeing any of the good stuff. And so th- that's, that's where it is. And it, it's, all, it's all the absence of a future vision. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, There's a great book called Three Laws of Performance by Steve Zaffron and Dave Logan. You probably know Dave Logan. You recommended it to me, yeah. Yeah. And the third law of performance is future-based conversations transform how situations occur. And Mm -hmm. a future-based conversation is really where we come together as a collective and create a future for us worthy of living into. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see as the opportunity here with all the stuff that's going on with all these breakdowns is I actually see this as like it's almost required. Otherwise, we're just going to be miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to break out the AR-15s and start shooting at each other, which yeah, would be yeah. really dumb. That would be really dumb. I think of all the dumb stuff that can happen, that would be the most dumb. And you yes. saw how close it came in, in uh, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. These guys break down a gate, and a guy, highly intelligent human being, comes out on his front lawn with an AR-15 pointing at mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were a nanosecond away from Kent State all over again. All over again, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, guys, do we not learn? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's as we go forward in the future, I think with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of shrinking of lo- the, the notion of long range. Americans, used, you know, are used, we're a long range people, mm-hmm. really, because yeah. we plan and, and so on. And that we couldn't have been so great and productive without long range. Thinking. Absolutely. But as that long range begins to shrink with COVID and, and not just that, but the, the I mean, we're in enormous all debt, all of a lot all of, of the debt that we're in and so on and so forth. Uh, I think that paradoxically, what I see happening is that people are addicted to what Freud would call the narcissism of mm-hmm. minor differences. Wow. And we, yeah. and we have got to just realize that we have to live with these differences yeah. that people have. It's part of living in a heterogeneous democracy that people are going to be different whether they're you know trans people gay people republicans liberals um so long as these different go back to the founding the document so long as these differences do not interfere with the exercise of your liberty exactly your conception of your good life yourself let people live their conception of the good lives for themselves we've gotten to the stage where i don't know we want to on both the left and the right, we want to exercise from whether it's unite the right, the white nationalists or black lives movement and the Antifa movement. Yeah. We want to exercise a kind of lordship mm-hmm. and dictate superimpose our values on yeah. other people. And that's not what this country really is about. This country leaves people to pursue their conception of the good for themselves. We need all of it. We need all of it to balance it out. You yeah. know, um, I, I mean, I, I think that's it, it was funny. I was talking about my book, my upcoming book the one I'm in process of writing today. And um, 
And, and, and what I've realized is throughout our history, it's either been a female voice or a male voice. And what the book is about is actually balancing out, bringing the two voices together, right? And the, the person I said this to, who, who is in the publishing business, like thought I was talking about some theory about Martian material. You know? <laughs> like it was so, so not in her purview. And this is a woman who publishes books. Like, wow, that's a novel idea. I like it, it shouldn't be. It really, right, right, right. The idea that you said that to me is he it says more than anything I could in the book. Mm-hmm. You know? And and it's just it's we've gotten locked into this this and it it comes down to what you were talking about, Jay. It's the the absence of individual responsibility of really knowing oneself, so that we can go and know someone else. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we're always looking at the external and finding fault with the external. Exactly. You know, and that doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. We have to own our shadow also. You know, we have to stop. Yeah. We've become a place where we start projecting our anxieties because we can't own exactly. the shadow selves that we have. We can't own the meanness and the evil and the, and the mean-spiritedness and the darkness within ourselves. And, should... and we have this sort of self-righteous, purified version of ourselves. Yeah. So when we see it, we scapegoat other people. I mean, do, they, uh, do people not realize that every powerful country in the world gained their power through conquering and when you conquer something, the terms rape, pillage, and plunder often go with that, you know? So, I, you know, and we pretend like that never happened, you know? And anyway, now we're getting into a whole other subject. And but getting... you wanted to talk about something about the, the Rushmore. Oh, I just wanted to, did you see any of the Mount Rushmore thing last night? With no, I watched, I watched some detective movies, British detective movies. But we... <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll look at it this morning. I, I love I love Mount Rushmore. Mount, Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills area is my favorite place in this country to go and visit. Yeah, and it was it was really interesting to see this event last night. And and I was watching simultaneously. I was watching Fox News and MSNBC simultaneously. Yeah. And it was like they were reporting on two different events. It was hilarious. Anyway, we're mm-hmm. done, buddy. Thank you. It's thank been you. happy Fourth. Have fun happy with you fourth, and your everybody. partner. Enjoy yourselves. Everybody out there, have a great Fourth of July. This is Mike. Jason Hill, this is Into the Gap. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you next week. Bye.